Hello, everyone, and welcome to Speaking with Joy, a podcast to fill your soul, challenge your mind, and make you brave. I'm your host, Joy Clarkson, and an evangelist for all things good, true, and beautiful. So make yourself a cup of tea, find somewhere comfortable, and let's dive in to this week's episode. Meg, I give you your faults. (laughs) Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Reading with Joy, my summer book club on Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Lingle, a book that is dear to my heart and that has shaped the way that I've seen the world. And this summer, I've been having every week a friend on the podcast who also loves the book to talk about it with me. And today I have a revisiting guest. I guess really I'm the guest here because I'm back home with you, (laughs) which is my mother, Sally Clarkson. Welcome back on, Mama. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, as you know. And hello, everyone. I'm, I'm just so delighted that you're actually studying and listening to one of my favorite books ever. It's been so fun every week to see people engaging with with the book and and putting their comments and their thoughts and I kind of learn something every week. People notice things that I wouldn't notice. Isn't that great? Which I guess is kind of the point of this book that yeah. we need that there's all sorts of intelligences and stuff but it's been really fun. So today I'm home back in Colorado uh, for the summer as we find ourselves in this kind of strange season mm-hmm. and today we had our once a week outing you know, maybe maybe we get out more than once a week, but kind of it's our big deal. Yeah, you know? we do it always at least once a week. Yes, <laughs> uh, which was that we took the car down to our favorite coffee shop. We wore our little masks, and we got our strong coffee and worked on our life and everything. And we listened to the audiobook together on mm-hmm, the way down mm-hmm. and the way back uh, for this chapter. And it's so fun, isn't it, to listen to Madeline Lingle's voice? Oh, it's so fun. She's so dramatic, and she has these great voices, and, and you just feel like she makes the characters come out of the pages. She does. You know what I hadn't thought about until I was just reading a little um, section on a biography about her, um, and I'm having the author of that come on next week, but mm. she said, and I didn't know this, that she was trained as an actress. And well, so, you know, her husband was uh, in, in Broadway and, and in then New he York was on, City. And he was on a soap opera. I can't think what it is. I think it was something like Days of Our Lives or, or something. Or All My Sons. Or, I don't uh, know. Uh, yeah. I don't remember which ones. All My Children. or, or yeah. <laughs> You can tell my mom and I are real connoisseurs. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying to go back to my old, uh, when say, I was growing up. You can tell we're real connoisseurs of soap opera. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I you just know. So she was, she was probably met him when she was an actress. I think she did. And... Um, but I was just thinking that when we were listening to it today. She just has these big dramatic voices and she sounds really deep. Yeah. And she sounds really New Yorker. I know. And um, and I just love that every time Meg says anything, I feel like Meg is bellowing. She's screaming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we were having a lot of fun doing that today and thinking about it and pondering it. And it actually went very well with what you were working on today because mm-hmm. as we were typing away at the coffee shop, you were in the midst of um, of launching or getting ready to launch mm-hmm. a new book mm-hmm. called Awaking Wonder. Mm-hmm. And a lot of its themes, I feel like, kind of go along with this week's chapter and really the whole book. But I thought I would take a quick detour. And why don't you tell people about Awaking Wonder? Oh, I'm so excited. Um, as many of you know, Joy is um, one of four children. Mm-hmm. And I idealized when they were quite, uh, when they were little, what I wanted to do with my children. I wanted to expose them to great ideas and great books like this and to let them wonder and ponder and ask questions and explore life. And and so, uh, lo, these many years later, 36 years later, 
uh, after we made the decision to educate our children in a very idealistic sort of way, um, I had many people that were writing me, standing in line when I spoke, and said, how did you do it? And so Awaking Wonder is, you know, is our story. It's the story of the Clarkson kids. It's the story, kind of like uh, this is the story about um, all the kids. All the Murray kids. <laughs> oh, yeah, and their family. It's a story of what did we do, uh, those of you who love Joy's podcasts and her book uh, studies, um, how did we cultivate in our children that kind of interest in um, the ways that our kids care about their lives and their messages? And I just can't wait to share it with the world. And it's awakening the wonder, the personality, the, the DNA, the unique things each about children. each of the children. Well, and for anyone who may not, I think many of you would know this, but for anyone who may not know this, I was home educated. So um, you guys, I remember you always telling me the story of sitting around a table in Vienna when you and dad were working there and being with an opera singer and a refugee from Iran and just sitting there and being like, all these people know things that, and you felt like you hadn't been educated and you, you just wanted more for us. And it's funny I think now, as an adult, I mm-hmm. look back and I kind of, it's really remarkable to me that you managed to march to the beat of a different drum in mm-hmm. so many mm-hmm. ways, because, mm-hmm. you know, obviously homeschooling was kind of a, a radical We've thing to do. We've never heard that word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was kind of a radical thing uh, to do. But then I think even in the world of homeschoolers, you all were very unique in that you didn't... Um, there were, I think there's a lot of things people do because it feels secure and good. Uh-huh. But it's because that's the voice in their head from their own childhood. Yeah, yeah, but you all were kind of radical in the way that you homeschool us. You were much more about reading real books than having a curriculum. You didn't really give us grades. I always wanted grades because I was kind of like... Yeah, Joy was kind of like, what grade do you think I would have gotten? I um, said, oh, it was an A, I'm sure, every time. <laughs> no, but, and it's funny because now as, you know, as a when I have actually graded students, I'm now like, oh, grades are useless. They, they, for the students, if I were, if I were in charge of the world, uh-huh. I would give all people pass, fail, or distinction. Right, right, because uh, if they're doing the work and working in progression, yeah, uh, then you want to award, reward um, their effort and their yeah. growth. And there are some students who aren't going to be at the same level as a really... No, not every child has the, the same, same capacity. Uh-huh. So anyway, I'm getting off topic, but the thing that I've realized now is even comparing my experience to some of my other friends that were homeschooled, I realized you guys were really <laughs> way out there <laughs> out of box. You did not, as mm-hmm. this chapter talks about, bounce the ball at the same rhythm. No. And I am so thankful for it. Mm. And um, so well, I think it's what created you to be who you are. And I even think that when you look at this book, this wonderful mm-hmm. book, you look at Charles Wallace. Yeah. And you look at Meg and, and um I think that this book gets more to the kind of philosophy that we had to provide an organic were, environment to um, yeah. to really encourage and shepherd and inspire and to trust that people are born with great minds, with curious minds. Yeah. yeah. And I that could go all, on and on because I love I this know. book. <laughs> and you all were just kind of unlocking it. And I think the thing that I really appreciated was that you saw each of us as a Meg or a Charles Wallace or a Calvin. You know, in this chapter they talk about we're giving you your different gifts and all the different gifts are according to their personalities and their strengths right. and I think and not that, one of them is alike no not one of them is the same and I think that was really kind of how you educated us mm-hmm. and so anyway I just I'm very excited and I thank you for talking about it you know how excited I am well I know <laughs> and I just thought this seemed like a, a good moment to talk about it and I'm excited particularly because I feel like a lot of parents are at that juncture where they're 
deciding what in the world to do in the fall and mm-hmm. oh I, I would love to help them I would love yeah, to inspire and, them and 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 I think there's so many things out there that appeal to people's fear or appeal mm-hmm. to like the need to kind of they're they're afraid of ruining their kids or they they need to make sure they're doing the academically excellent thing and I feel like I want to go no 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 don't don't cling on to the things that are appealing to your fear trust that your kids are are wonderful little people full of potential well, yeah and, I I feel like uh, even this book talks about it a little bit but. Um, I think that much of life is about living by faith and taking risks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you were a little girl, I made you memorize the poem by Robert Frost Mm. about the road less taken. Yes. And then, of course, the last line. I took the road less traveled by, and that has made all All the the difference. difference, See, I still remember it. You still remember. (laughs) And so I feel like when you you really take that idealistic, wonder-filled, treating children as human beings, giving them great space for their personalities that it is the road less taken, but oh my goodness, it's probably the best heritage of my whole life. Yeah, is which is to, really To see you all bloom and uh, And that's grow. significant <laughs> coming from you, who's written many books and done many accomplished things. Oh, those were just uh, homework. Um, well, anyway, I guess we should talk about the actual book, but I bring that up because that's what we were doing on our way down. Um, that's what you were doing when we went on our way down, listening mm-hmm. to it on the way back, and... I just thought as it's coming out soon, it'd be good for people to hear about it. Thank you, Joy. Yeah. Um, and I didn't even ask you. Thank you very much. <laughs> but um, I was also, so let's, what I'll start with doing is giving a quick overview of the chapter. I always try to do the Cliff Notes version. And then I have a question for you, and then we can just talk about the themes. So this week, this chapter is kind of a rambling, kind of almost, not disjointed, but it ha- has it a lot of elements. It has a lot it. of elements. It happens on two planets. So mm-hmm. we start the chapter with the happy medium, they're still there. And the um, right before they leave, one of them asked to see Earth. And um, first they see poor Calvin and his mother, they see oh. Calvin's mother, and you, you see her kind of raggledy, but then angry, and she gets out a spoon and she hits one of the children. And, and see, that has stuck in my mind since I was a little girl. Isn't it amazing how a, a, a scene can just stick with you? Mm-hmm. And so- It's and probably then, why I hate seeing um, parents be mean I know. To their children today, but go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. So that happens, and then Meg sees her mother writing her letter, and it activates, for some reason, it activates Meg's anger, I think, because she's like, my mother shouldn't be separated from my father, and so then She's lonely, and she's without us, and she's crying. Yeah, and it kind of does something I see a lot Catalyzes. Yeah, it does work for Meg. Her anger does work for her, and so they go to Camazots, this place. Mm -hmm. They go behind the black thing. And right before the Mrs. W's leave them, they give them these gifts. And one of them is to, um, to Calvin, they give the ability to communicate because he's a really emotionally intelligent. Also, I think it's really interesting that usually the boys in a book, like I think about Ron Weasley yeah. and Harry Potter, usually they're kind of the emotionally unintelligent bumbling around. But I love that Calvin is the caretaker, gentle, yeah, it just the insightful. Her, yeah, uh-huh. I love that's his character. And so he gets communication. Charles Wallace, and we'll dive into all these momentarily, gets the um, resilience of childhood, and Meg gets her faults. And that's an interesting thing, because Mm -hmm. then we go into this very perfect neighborhood where everything is kind of, um, you know, perfectly squared, and we see all these people bouncing balls at the the same same time, and they're Uh all the same. It reminds me of, you used to always sing to me when we'd fly over neighborhoods Uh in airplanes. All the houses on the hilltops, and they're all made out of ticky-tacky, and they all live in little boxes, and they all look just the same. <laughs> and that's what I thought when I was reading There's this. There's a green one and a pink one. And no, a white no, no, yeah. one and a yellow one. Anyway, yeah. that's what I thought of when I was listening. That's really true. You know, that this very kind of uniform, and they're all bouncing, and they see this little incident with this kid who 
bounces the ball out of step. And they go up to the door to knock on it, and the mother pretends like it didn't happen. And she's tries. so fearful. Yeah, she's so fearful. And we just get this increasing sense that something is off. And then they make it into the city, and they see this big building, and it's the central, central intelligence. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the overarching blow-by-blow blow of what happens. Mm -hmm. Now, when I started this podcast, or this, this series, the book club, mm -hmm. You specifically asked if you could do this chapter with me. Oh, yes. And you said that it was kind of the one that, like you said, that it always stuck with you. Um, particularly, the, I don't know if it was the bouncing balls or what, mm -hmm. but what is it about this this chapter that you that stuck with you? What did it give well, you? Well, I'm going to go into two or three things right now. Okay. Um, first of all, uh, and you might remember this, those of you who have heard my um, interview with Joy earlier, mm -hmm. but I, at, um, after living my whole life in one neighborhood with all the same friends, with all the same uh, people, uh, we were suddenly moved from El Paso, Texas to Houston, Texas. And I ended up being sick there for two out of the four months that we lived there because I was very allergic to mildew and mold. So I was constantly in the hospital with pneumonia and then I was in bed. And so I moved to this place where I didn't have a lot of friends, but I, my mom plied me with books. And so I remember this book literally as one of the most significant in my life because as I was um, reading through this chapter, first of all, I was struck by the fact that in the book, the heroes were children, were children that had great capacity. And um, instead of kind of being overprotected, the, um, they were given, was it Miss Which Who or However or whatever? <laughs> Mrs. I know, I always get confused. Mrs. Which, Mrs. What's it, Mrs. Who? Okay, so uh, they basically warned the three children that they were going into a very, very difficult situation. And so I remember thinking back then, oh, I want to be used. I, I want to not be looked upon, you know, for the limitations of my life, but I want to be used. I want to be a I'll hero be brave. and brave. And I would be brave. I would definitely be brave. But I think the thing that struck me the most and um, just has stuck with me the whole time was this uh, tendency that everybody looked the same, acted the same, were afraid of being different. Their children were the same. And that was the first time I remember the concept of how um, important it was to be unique, to be able to be true to a person's real humane self. I don't know why it really stuck with me. I thought, mm. I don't want to be a conformer. And of course, I, at that point, had never heard the verse, uh, do not be conformed mm. to this world. And yet all of these people were living in fear, living by the same rhythms. And when I do talk about Awakening Wonder, when I was thinking about raising you children to be you now adults, um, to be independent thinkers, to be able to understand wisdom and to be able to um, decipher and discern ideas. Mm -hmm. This is where a lot of um, some of those seminal um, kind of I images. images came when I was a little girl. I thought, I don't want to be the conformist. You I don't want to bounce the ball. Yeah, no, I, I wanted to have real life. I wanted to be a real person with a real personality, a real hero. And that has stuck with me mm. since uh, that was one of the most wonderful books I ever read when I was a little girl. Mm. And I was, no one had to teach me, no one had to tell me. I was sitting in my, or I was in my bed looking out at my window. Uh, I had this big window, bay window mm. in front of my bed. And I was pondering how very important this book was in my life. 
And um, I think that's what sometimes we don't even realize mm. what words and stories can do. They ignite fires. Mm. They illuminate ideas. And for some reason, that where everybody was controlled by fear mm. and controlled by conformity, I just knew in my heart, it is not right. And it, as we look at this society right now, I think it's so important for people to be taught to stand on their own two feet, to uh, to be to use their unique gifts to tell a good story in their lifetime and mm-hmm. to stand boldly against darkness. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to talk about this chapter because it, it's because all of it's that. a lot about what our whole lives are about. <laughs> yeah, I love. Okay, so I'm going to go back on the on two things that you said. One is I love the section where um, where the Mrs. Ws are preparing them to go into Kamazots, and they really they don't. They don't sugarcoat it for the kids. You no, know they I mean? don't. They, they really, they, they, they're like, this is going to be hard. Yeah. Um, but you can do it. And it, we should be saying that to our kids. We don't need to overprotect them. Well, I was going to say, I feel like it reminds me of. Uh, when they're older. Yeah, when they're older. It reminds me of um, the verse, you know, when Jesus says, for in this world, you will have tribulation. You'll have sorrows and troubles. Mm-hmm. But do not fear, for I am with you. And I feel like growing up, um, that was always kind of a sense that I had. You know, you obviously you, you let kids be aware of things at an we age of We let you be time. innocent when you were yeah, little. Uh-huh. But there was always a sense of the world is a difficult and dark place, mm-hmm. but you don't need to feel powerless. You are an agent. You can be brave. You can be good. And I love there's a quote from Chesterton where he says that fairy tales don't exist. I'm going to botch this, but he says fairy tales don't exist um, to teach children of their dragons. Children already know that. Fairy tales exist to teach them that, that dragons can be defeated. And it's so true. And so it, true. And I think that's kind of some of what I got, and it sounds like what you got when you were a kid reading this, is it fills you with that sense of dragons can be defeated. Right. You know, I think this is such an important book at this time, in mm. what you just said, because I think that it, we need to be very careful about how we narrate mm. this particular time to people, mm. because I know many people are filled with fear and they're out of control of life, as mm-hmm. we are. And um, we want to be so careful of the messages that we pass on to children. Because I know, um, I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but you were, at was it 11 or 12 years old, involved in a terrible situation at our church mm-hmm. where um, someone was killed. and, and um, Several people, actually. Several people were killed in our church in a violent way on a Sunday morning. And one of your friends um, was, were uh, they were shot at. The, mm-hmm. Their the mother car was, was um, yeah. the car was destroyed. The mom had to go to the hospital. She called you. Um, and so there are ways you can narrate this to people. Mm-hmm. But I remember we came home and we talked and talked and I put on a really fun movie. I held you, you know, mm-hmm. in my lap. But I said, Joy, there are difficult things in this world. I didn't want you at 11 years old to be exposed to this, but I said, but I believe that you have a hero mm-hmm. within you, a heroine in your heart, and you're going to be a light maker. Mm-hmm. And I think that we need to be so careful, as in this book, to prepare at the right time, not too early. Children do not need to carry the burden of fear mm-hmm. or uh, pain or violence when they're little. If at all possible, they need to be preserved from that. But at the right time to begin planting seeds of possibility of being strong. Of being a hero in your own story. I remember that day very specifically. And I don't know if you remember this, but we watched that night. It was actually this documentary on 
on the Bethlehem Star and kind of on different the stars. theories. We were about, trying to come up with fun things. Yeah, you know, well, good but, things. no, but it was really beautiful because what it was really about was the heavens and these kind of mysterious the the, the cosmos and the stars. And we went out and looked at that. And um, it was interesting this fall, last fall. If I think about one of the like probably top ten most influential books I read in the last ten years, mm-hmm. or not ten years, let's say last two years. Uh-huh. One of them, which I read last fall, was. The Body Keeps a Score by oh, yes. um, yeah. Vander Kolk. And it's all about kind of trauma and healing and, and how do we move past that because that actually affects far more people than I think we would think. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he talked about was um, children who lived through traumatic experiences mm-hmm. and why, what were the reasons some of them developed um, PTSD and some of them didn't. And one of the examples he did was they, they did studies on children who lived through 9-11. And they said that one of the main, that really the main indicator if the children would be resilient was if they had a parent who was attached and loving to them and who narrated safety to them afterwards that so they hmm. said that was a bad thing that happened but we're safe now hmm. and um and that's what we need to be as champions yeah uh, coaches cheerleaders for yeah. our children well and i think that that's something that you know we talked about this i didn't get to go very long in my childhood thinking that no, the world was safe I'm so sorry no and but you it's know it's not what? what i wanted well no and it's not what any of us want but i didn't get to go very long in the world thinking that the world was safe but i also had it narrated to me that that life was good and that i had the capacity to be someone who brought light and goodness to the world. And so and that I, God would never leave you or forsake you. Yeah. You know, there were, there were lessons that we yeah. got to talk about then. I've been reading, I keep on mentioning this, but I've been reading Juliana Norwich and she talks about the mysterious safekeeping of God. Hmm. And it's funny cause she's always wrestling with why there's evil in the world and how we can understand this. Now God can be good, but she always comes back to somehow even when we can't understand it, God is keeping us very safe. He He has his hands around us. When his his hands are there. Yeah. So I love that. I love that they, this is very much, they're they're told this is going to be hard, but you can be brave. And it, it, it predisposes a person to know how to go into a difficult situation. Okay, so they told me this was going to be hard. Mm-hmm. So now that it is hard, I know what they meant. Yeah. And they're not surprised. Yeah. And then... Um, I think the second thing that really just stands out is the conformity. Oh, my goodness, yes. I mean, I, I was sitting there uh, in my little bed surrounded by people who were in the popular crowd who had known each other forever. Mm-hmm. And for the first time in my life, I wasn't. I didn't have friends. I didn't know anyone. Did you feel a little like Meg, a little bit like you had a pebble in your shoe with life? Oh, yeah, and I, I was the sick girl. And mm-hmm. I had always, I was a tomboy. I had two older brothers, and... Um, I had always wanted to run and play and have fun. And here I was stuck, wheezing. You know, mm-hmm. I had lost a lot of weight. I wasn't feeling well. And I thought, yeah, I know what Meg feels like. Yeah. And you know, even in a funny way, like when the little boy drops the ball. Yes. You know what it feels like to be the little boy who drops the ball. Yeah. And, and that everybody was, oh no, don't let anybody see that we made a mistake. And I, yeah. I ever since then, I thought, that's kind of ridiculous. We all make mistakes, you know. <laughs> I know. Well, and I think that's why it's interesting that um, that when they give them the gifts, when they're each given their gifts, Meg is given her faults as though that's her gift in this world, in this Kamazots where everyone's doing the same thing. And it's funny. I've thought a lot about conformity and all those things. And a long time ago, I, I did a, a podcast on Dunkirk. And, of course, that's one oh, of those no. most – it's one of those most amazing examples of how – humans can come together around a similar right. cause and do a good thing. But I think that in some ways, the things that can be most powerfully good can also be powerfully damaging. And I think when that 
pull to do the same thing is manipulated mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's manipulated by fear and rather than being about love and taking care of people or whatever it's turned into a fear or fear of doing wrong or looking different or mm-hmm. um i think that can be really deeply almost evil because it's almost oh, like yeah. it's turning what our really good desire to be in unity towards right. a good purpose uh-huh. towards evil and um and i think the thing that we're going to get intimations of is that the fact that meg is like she just can't help it. She's never going to fit in. Um, that's actually a gift because... Um, it's the one percenters. The, the, yeah. Uh, uh, it's okay to be it's, a one percenter. And it's, yeah, it's fine. And something else, I think this was very um, much like we were raised. There's, I love the idea in a lot of Christian theology that a vice is usually just a virtue that hasn't blossomed yet. Yeah, so, that, you know, sometimes the, the very difficult things about your life end up being the ways, you know, I, I talked a lot when I was little and now I get paid for talking and you too. <laughs> I know. And all the people who made fun of us and said that you should get paid for talking, they didn't know that we would do that. Well, they just didn't know our brains didn't stop. No, but whether it's talking too much or, you know, uh, I sometimes identify with Megan that I'm deeply tempestuously emotional. Uh, but sometimes I wonder if that could be a part of, why I feel the world deeply and I also feel the joys and that's Mm -hmm. a part of what I hope I can give in the world and I feel like that's with Meg if we were to try to take away her vices we would also take away the things that make her unique and that make her a good Mm -hmm. um battle against the dark thing well you know I hope you don't mind me telling this story but I don't know if you remember this or not but um (laughs) Nathan had had uh, when he he had already graduated from our school um, and he had taken a couple of classes at a mm-hmm. local school. And his friends all came over for cookies one day in our kitchen. And they were talking about the fact that um, they said, oh, yeah, when we, by the time we were in third grade, we had learned never to say anything that would draw attention to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Never, um, <laughs> never to, um, to say, to, you know, to just to really be different because... We felt teased. Yeah, they said we knew that if we acted or misbehaved in a way that wasn't acceptable to our Mm -hmm. peers, that they would make fun of us. So we Mm -hmm. learned not to rock the boat with Mm -hmm. our peers from the time we were little kids. Mm -hmm. And I remembered thinking, oh, that's awful. From the time they were little tiny. Yeah, yeah, to think that from the time they were seven or eight years (laughs) old, they had already learned that if they acted in um, a nonconformist way, their friends would punish them in some way. And I thought, that is not right. I don't want my children um, to feel like they have to conform. I want them to live fully into themselves. It's funny. I had a friend once. I'm a hummer, as you know. Yes, I I do. (laughs) And it's like a little neurotic, but like I just hum all the time. Uh And uh, one of my friends used to call it self-humming like you know you, <laughs> you know how kids self-soothe they mm-hmm. kind of you know what, what whatever it is touching their hair or whatever to make themselves calm down mm-hmm. he was like you you self-hum like you just kind of hum to get calm <laughs> well and, i used to call joy on the phone when she lived overseas or when she lived so in weird. california and while i was talking with her she would start humming and yeah so it's a weird thing it was I, always really lovely i um, <laughs> i own it it's weird but i love um, your music <laughs> but it was funny because he was like you know i feel like probably that would have gotten, uh, it, you know, teased out of you if you'd been in public oh. school. And I thought, on the one hand, maybe maybe sometimes it'd be okay if I didn't hum. I don't know. It was kind of sweet. But it was also kind of sweet. And I, just, I was thinking I'd never thought about. I'd never thought about the fact that I have some kind of idiosyncrasies that were allowed to flourish just because I wasn't in that constant peer environment. And, of course, as a mother, you know that there's some conformity that is helpful. Right? Oh, yeah, of course. Like... 
I mean, I tried my hardest. Everybody just sits still one night at the dinner table. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, graciousness, consideration of others, all right. those things are... Learning to work hard. I mean, there, yeah. there are... Well... It's kind of context. Well, There's and, it's, times and it's like for, Dunkirk. Right, exactly. There's times where we want vast amount of people to do the same noble and heroic thing. We're right. seeing a lot of people are having to do that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, I think that we can be so easily controlled by our... Right, by right. meaningless... Um, kind of standards. Conformity. That, yeah. Meaningless bouncing of the ball mm-hmm. and fear. And, um, well, and I, I think that if we go back to the, um, kind of the theme of the book, um, she, she was usually just make one or two points in a book. You don't yeah. try to make every point in the whole wide world. Exactly. And, um, she was really trying to show that, um, there is a power that is better than conformity. Yes. There is a, a light power, a love power, and I'm not going to give anything yeah, away. Yeah, I was going to say, do, do, do. Sorry. But all that to say, um, the reason I think that we were thinking about Waking Wonder is I think that was very much your, the way that you parented mm-hmm. us and the way that you educated us was not towards cookie cutters, but towards the individuals that we were and mm-hmm. kind of how that could blossom and how even like with Meg, even our faults might be the gift that helps us bring light right and bring light in and then to go back into your world bringing the light love and goodness that you had learned to value yes and i something else i love too is i just love how meg's character grows in this one like you see her going you see her kind of mastering her emotions and i love that she even becomes calvin's comforter he's been I her thought comforter. that was beautiful too but, kind of tell retell that part well when he sees the scene of his mother is kind of scraggly mother getting angry and hitting one of the kids they're the looking back spoon, on earth looking back on earth um it says that she reaches out and and grabs his hand and comforts him as though he was charles wallace and this is kind of the shift because he's been comforting her and taking care of her and even when they go to camisots mm-hmm. one of the mrs w says you know take care of meg but she suddenly sees him in his pain and reaches out to him in empathy. Well, and it was really sweet. It says, um, how could she ever have imagined that um, he who was the most popular at school mm-hmm. would be the person that she would reach out to comfort? Yeah, yeah, and I just love seeing how their characters grow and change. And Oh, this is so fun, Mom. It's so... I know. Let's read another book really soon. <laughs> I know. After doing this, I'm like, can I just do book clubs inevitably? Like, not inevitably. Without end? Yeah. It's so fun. I just love getting to sit and talk with people about about these books that I love so much. Well, you chose a good one. This well... filled with even more than I remember. And and owing to you, because you were the first one who introduced me to it. So. Well, it just... And my mom had no idea. I think she just... It probably <laughs> came no out I- about that year, and it had a little gold... Um, well, because it got the Newbery Award. It got the Newbery Award, and so she said, here's a pile of books that you might enjoy reading. She had no idea she was radicalizing you. No, she did not. She had no idea that it would lead to you marching to the diff- beat of a different, a different drummer. drummer. And yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I think I was already marching to the beat of a different drummer. You probably saw... But then I, I saw it in a book and I thought, oh, it's okay. But yeah, um, that's, that's what we need books for, though. It sets you free. Exactly. So, okay. So, um, everyone, please go and join in the discussion. I'll probably put discussion questions around this idea of giving our, preparing ourselves, preparing children even, to be people who know the world is dark but are capable of being light bringers. And the question of conformity and faults. I want to go see all of your lovely comments on Facebook and Instagram. I always learn from them. Oh, they're wonderful. Yes. And But before we sign off, um, Mom, tell us 
where and when your book is coming out. And I think most people will be able to find you on Instagram, Facebook, Sally Clarkson. But tell us when your book is coming out. Uh, my book comes out in, uh, I think it's the around August 17th. It's on a Tuesday. I don't have a calendar in front it's of me. It's August 18th. I remember is that. It's August 18th. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's really got an amazing cover. I'm just so it's grateful. It's so beautiful. <laughs> I had an artist that was able to, to paint the cover to be very much like my heart. <laughs> and um, I'm going to be doing a conference, a live conference, and I'm hoping to give it away for free if I can afford to, because I care deeply that people be encouraged, inspired, and helped in this whole concept of living a life that is filled with wonder and beauty and goodness. So yes. uh, the book's coming out and then the conference will follow thereafter. Yes. And everyone, you know, I think it's, it's for parents. It's for any parent because every parent I hope is, so. every parent is, is a teacher. a teacher. Every parent is the educator and steward of their children's soul. So find that. And I might even give away one of the Awakening Wonders just for fun. Oh, great. Well, I will give it yeah. to you to give so, away. So, so Awakening ch- Wonder is the name of the book. Yes. So check that out. Thank you all for listening. And I can't wait to hear all of your wonderful thoughts this week. Goodbye. Mm, thanks for listening.